Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This week, the Chicago Police Department outlined plans to give sworn officers more training and not just at the academy. Officials are planning for several hours of in-service training every year, and that's just part of the reforms the department has in store. What does the police union think about all this? This weekend, we'll find out. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Kevin Graham, the president of Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 7. That is the labor group that represents rank-and-file Chicago police officers. Uh, He has been on the Chicago police force for more than two decades, and he was a suburban police officer for a decade or so before that. This spring, he won a runoff election for FOP president, ousting the then-incumbent Dean Angelo. He's a man who says he wants to make sure police officers are treated fairly, and he is not afraid to speak up on their behalf. Kevin Graham, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, you've taken leadership of this uh, union, of the FOP, during a particularly challenging time uh, on several fronts. Give me a sense of how you see the landscape right now. I mean, things have changed drastically even since you became president. Uh, They have. They have changed. Uh, These are not... um problems that we can't deal with. I think that the public wants to make sure that the police department is answering the concerns of the citizens. And I think that the police department is trying to answer those. Uh, But at the same time, uh, they've forgotten about our contract. They've forgotten about that they're supposed to be negotiating a contract. And they are also uh, not talking to us when it comes to important issues to try and resolve these things together. So although there, there seems to be some, some differences, the things that we have in, in common and the things that we see are going to be important, we, are, we do have similar views on. One is that we want to make sure that the public is safe. That's first and foremost. We want to make sure our officers are safe. We also want to make sure that there is adequate training, adequate equipment, and adequate supervision so that the public feels that they are well uh, represented by the police department. And perhaps this is a function of the news media as much as anything, but when people hear about issues about the police, it is very often when there has been some kind of problem, uh, the argument uh, from some people in the past has been that police officers who may repeatedly uh, be accused of misconduct or using excessive force are bad apples, tainting the reputation of the good police officers. And I'm sort of putting air quotes around I, I understand. A, a, around that. <laughs> but if I've heard correctly, you don't subscribe to the to the bad apple theory so much. You know, there is there is no profession that you're going to get into where you can't find somebody who um, probably shouldn't be in that profession. I've I've, I've never. I've never said that, you know, we don't have to work at making sure that we have a good police department with good officers. But the reality is that the vast majority of our officers do an outstanding job. 
They are heroes every day, every night. They go out there, and I would say that the majority of our citizens would not want to do their job. And when you even see up close what they do, um, for a lot of people, it would be terrifying. These people do it every day in and day out uh, without batting an eye. And these are real heroes, and they don't get the credit for being that. Um, When it comes to discipline, I'm fine with looking for uh, officers who uh, cannot comply with the rules, um, have decided to do things on their own, but they, they need due process. They need to be treated fairly, just as you would want anybody who is accused of a crime to be treated fairly and have their day in court. And um, certainly we've had now four instances where the police department has done things unilaterally without bargaining for them, which is clear in our contract that they are supposed to do. And those are important issues that need to be addressed, um, especially as we go into a contract negotiations. Uh, yes, and let, let's talk about one of those issues uh, right now. And, and if I miss any of the issues, make sure you bring it up <laughs> because we didn't enumerate them just there. Uh, but uh, the Chicago Police Department Administrators... The administrators, I'm having trouble speaking this morning, uh, uh, they've widened the training office that officers will get. Uh, there will be a yearly use of force classes, and eventually officers will have 40 hours a year of in-service training. Now, I know you've been talking about the need for officers to have better training, so is, isn't this what you've been asking for? And I, and I have no problem with that. Uh, what I have a problem with is that they failed to negotiate with us over the, over this and that I am concerned about the type of facilities and how they're going to be doing it. Um, certainly if they do this when we're heading into contract negotiations and this is something they want and they get it without negotiating it, that puts myself and the officers that I represented at disadvantage because that's one thing taken off the table that the city doesn't have to negotiate. Uh, how does this become uh, a bargaining issue uh, if it is policy that deals with public safety, policy that deals with the use of deadly force? Isn't that something I think m- people might expect, that that would be the purview of the department, that they are the ones who say, this is when you can use a weapon, this is when you cannot? I, I understand what you're saying. It's, it's about coming to the table and bargaining for it because, as we've seen, when they came out with their use of force policy, uh, we had five pages of problems that we saw uh, in some of the language. Uh, some of the language puts our officers at a disadvantage, even when they are doing their job properly. And what I believe the city is trying to do is absolve themselves of any responsibility in some of these orders. Uh, and finding it, if you, if, you, if you paint the order to where you say, well, we're going to make scrambled eggs today, but I don't want you to, to break any eggshells when you do it, it, you've put them in an impossible spot for a chef to try and prepare something. And, and that is the uh, framework in which I believe they're, they're trying to paint some of these orders. Can you give me an example of, of where you think the, the orders keep the police from doing what they need to do. Uh, I'll give you the only thing that they took from all of our suggestions in the five pages 
was that I said, why are we, uh, why are we having officers make all these notifications after they've been in a shooting? Don't you think we have other things that are more important to do? And the sergeant who's already been notified, can't he make these notifications? And they, that was the only one that they agreed to. They are writing these from, I think, I believe, uh, an idealistic, uh, approach or by lawyer's approach when it's actually not a practical aspect on some of these things. Um, and one of the things I don't want to do is I, I don't want to get into the specifics of what the city needs to come and, and negotiate with about. That's why I used the one, the one example that we did agree on finally out of five pages. Okay. But one thing we, we do have to mention is that, uh, this is not just a matter of you making a verbal complaint about this policy. Uh, the FOP is, is taking action. Yes. Um, this is the fourth unfair labor practice that we filed. Uh, one of the unfair labor practices, um, and that was the first one was them taking videos and posting them on, uh, on their, on their website, um, for people to see the problem with videos is often that they are one dimensional and does not give an accurate depiction as to what occurs. And that's troublesome because if you see something and you believe what your eyes have told you and without any other information, you're, you're formulating a, an opinion on this. And now we have to say, you know what, you don't have all the facts and what you're seeing is not quite accurate. Now, sometimes it is accurate, but oftentimes you need more information from just that video. You need to know what was said, uh, the conditions that surrounding it, whether or not, um, what led up to this. And I've often said that in the videos, what is extremely important is what led up to the end result, whether somebody getting arrested, someone getting hurt, somebody going to the hospital, whatever that is. And most of the time we are not there for what the call is. People call the police and then we show up after what the original incident was. So we lose that. That's not on any camera. And, and that's very important. So when we start to put these videos out, people are making judgments and putting our officers at a disadvantage, having to defend themselves when they may have done nothing wrong. Hmm. Um, what would you do differently as far as uh, with that, the risk of, skirting around <laughs> some, some of these things, right. but what should the police department do differently as far as training goes and still keep the goal of, to you, to quote, uh, uh, first deputy, uh, Navarro. First deputy superintendent Navarro, um, the preservation of life and the, uh, the desire for de-escalation when possible. When you want to de-escalate a situation, oftentimes that's, that is the absolute correct move to make. Um, the training that is involved, um, I certainly agree that we need the training. Uh, there are certain aspects, um, that we, we all agree on, as I said earlier, I am concerned with the facilities in which, um, they're, they're using. And certainly the police Academy, which is very full with, um, recruits right now, um, they're going to be using offsite facilities 
and I'm not in favor of doing training within the station because when you're doing training in the station, the one thing that is going to be paramount is how many calls are backed up and how fast can we get these guys back out on the street? And that's not conducive to a learning environment. That's conducive to, we got to get through this training so we can get you back out on the street. At one point, uh, uh, Deputy Superintendent Navarro said, in some cases, uh, there's going to be training on the streets. Uh, is that not, <laughs> is that worrisome as well? Uh, Greg, you have me at a disadvantage because I have not heard how they're going to do that. Unless they're talking about field training officers with, with recruits, which has often been done for years, um, that we have a, a one-on-one instructor um, to help new officers uh, learn how to talk to the public and to assess a situation. Uh, let me uh, ask you another quick atmosphere question, because the atmosphere in which your your members, your the officers are operating, uh, is is a different one than it had been in recent years. There's a lot of scrutiny of the work. There's body cameras. Uh, how worried are you that police aren't being allowed to be police? Oh, it's... It's, it's near the top of the list. Um, their safety off always comes first. Um, but it is very troublesome that they are not listening to us when we're telling them um, that we need to go back to a contact card. Um, the problem with the contact cards did not start on the street. That started in the administration. Those people who um, uh, were giving out the orders on the contact cards and are Can gone. you explain what that is? Well, a, a contact card. When we have a... Uh, when we are stopping somebody, um, maybe it's somebody hanging around the L station and it's a simply matter. You go up and you, you say to them, you've been here for three hours. Uh, what are you doing here? And they say, well, I'm waiting for somebody, you know, my, my boyfriend, my girlfriend is coming off the L, but they were delayed at work. So we're, I'm waiting for them. Okay. Not a problem. You make a quick contact card that we have spoken with you on today's date and time. Um, uh, now, years ago, we just used to drive off and there was no contact card. Now, uh, there usually is a contact card. The problem is that these have gotten longer and longer and longer. You have to go into the station to put them into the computer. Uh, if you make any mistakes, there's discipline involved. Now, if an officer thinks he's going to be uh, being reprimanded or take a day suspension for simply talking to somebody, uh, he has bills to pay just like everyone else. You know, why is he going to risk taking a suspension day if he makes a mistake on a piece of paper? Uh, we're, 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 I think they're, they're discouraging people, uh, officers, from doing their job. So we need to go back to a, a contact card. And, and I think one of the, and I can't stress this strongly enough, but I brought up at every single meeting I've had with the superintendent, is that is that we have to give officers time off. And they are continually being denied time due. Hmm. Uh, you know, back in the back in the day, uh, officers struggled and fought amongst themselves to get extra time. Uh, is that not still happening? Oh, there there are a lot of officers who are willing to work overtime, but it's those important days of the year when you want to be off for uh, your daughter's birthday, uh, your son's graduation. And uh, we get continual calls that say, no, we need the manpower on the street. We can't, we can't give that off. When in years, years ago, 
uh, we all would say, look, we'll, we'll handle his calls. We'll make sure that there aren't backups. Just let him be with his family. And, uh, that is probably more damaging than anything, um, in this current environment of not having officers have time with their families. And hold that thought because I'm going to follow up on it in just a second. You are listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is the president of the Fraternal Order of Police here in Chicago, Kevin Graham. Is the problem that there are not enough police officers? That is a large part of the problem. Um, We don't have to go very far in our past to know that there has been instances where officers have called for backup, called for supervisors, called for equipment, and the situation has turned very poorly and has had uh, dramatic outcomes. Um, This is because we had cut too far back on our manpower and on promotions. Now, I will tell you this, that they have, um, they have been hiring, they have been hiring officers, and they have been uh, improving on the equipment. But this is what I was talking about earlier about talking to the union. We had complained about this. We had talked about the, the manpower. We had talked about the equipment, and we were ignored. Now you have a problem, and suddenly um, you, you've seen the light of day that, that you have to do these things. If they had talked to us from the beginning, you may have averted some of these problems. Um, this is also a time in which more suspects seem uh, ready and willing to pull guns on police officers and use them. Uh, is it that there's some kind of philosophy changing on the streets, uh, or is it just that there are too many guns? Well, there are a lot of guns on the street. Um I also think that the criminals are a little bit more emboldened. Uh, We have uh, an independent police review authority that is now changed to COPA, uh, who um, seems to have a mission out there not to get rid of police officers, but try and catch them on things. Um, It's not hard to try and find anyone doing anything wrong. Let's face it, uh, we have rules that that govern everything from spitting on the sidewalk to um, uh, to whether the, how how large the windows are in bars. Uh, I'm sure that with all the rules and regulations we have in the Chicago Police Department, if you work hard enough at it, you can attack policemen on something. That's not the way to get good police work and good police officers. The way to do that is to work together to try and meet the community's needs, not to try and find out if they are smoking a cigarette in a squad car or not, and then suspending them a day. That doesn't work. Do you get a lot of that? Not a lot. It's, it's when they are um, intentionally trying to go after uh, officers that they uh, feel that, if, or that, they, that they're targeting. And I think that, um, and, and I don't get this from internal affairs as much, Internal affairs is, is, is very much about answering the charges that have been placed against an officer and doing a, an intelligent uh, investigation. Um, now, I have not yet spoken with the head of COPA. Uh, and Even back from when she was head of IPRA, which is, I, is, I, Sharon Fairley has continued. I have uh, I've left a message to ask her to call me. I haven't heard from her yet. So, uh, but... 
when I, um, when we have invest people investigating the police, they have to do it fairly and they have to do it in a just and fair manner that complies with our contract. That is very important because we want the police to make sure that they are ensuring the rights of citizens, that they are, that the citizens uh, are treated fairly and have um, a fair shot in court. That also starts with the police officers. And I don't think we've been getting that uh, under the EPRA. Uh, what change would you want to see there? And then I, I want to talk about a change that some aldermen have suggested, but okay. uh, what change would you want to see in uh, the investigation? I would like to see an oversight committee on, on COPA uh, to make sure that the cases that they are doing are operating fairly and within uh, the confines of the contract. Uh, you would want that oversight committee to be composed of whom? You know what? That is still, you know, I, I, I'm certainly willing to be one. Uh, <laughs> and and, it, and it, it's supposed to be a citizen's advisory board. Well, I mean, I'm when, thinking you have a different view. of Well, that. I, I here's part of the problem. Uh, one of the and I've, I've, we've had this now a couple of times where they have decided that they are identifying um, parts of the of the federal constitution as problems that the officers have had with citizens. Uh, they need to confine themselves to the laws, not what they are interpreting the constitution as that's for the, um, that's for the wise men down in the Supreme court, not for uh, an IPRA investigator or COPA investigator. But I, I, I don't want to say too much about COPA since I have had, since I've only been in effect about a week. Well, uh, let me ask you about something that I know a number of aldermen have uh, expressed opinions about and have wanted to talk to you. Uh, well, I, I don't know whether you guys have you've met with the, any alderman or any uh, African-American or uh, Latino alderman yet. Um, but And that's sworn complaints, the requirement in the con- contract now and the, the requirement that there be signed sworn complaints required for any investigations of officers. And some of the aldermen say that's a little too much because some people are afraid of retaliation from police officers if they give their names. You know, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I have not heard of any uh, police officer retaliating against anyone who makes a complaint. Uh, This is in place to ensure just as if somebody makes a complaint on you and brings you into court, that you have a right to face your accusers. This is no different than that. If someone is lying about the police, they need to be charged with filing a false police report. They need action needs to be taken against them. One of the, uh, one of the fundamental um, ideas behind this is that what we don't want is we don't want drug dealers and criminals on the street continually making complaints about the same officer because they're doing their job getting the criminal off the street. If you make enough complaints, the commander of that district's going to move you. The commanders know darn well who's working, who's not working, who are the best, their best officers, who treats people uh, correctly and, um, and treats people, um, 
like they'd want their own family members to be treated, even when they're being arrested. What I think has been missed in a lot of this is how we got the state law passed, uh, I believe it was more than 10 years ago, on the um, affidavit. And that was there were members from the Inglewood community who came down to Springfield and said, look, we are virtually prisoners in our house because we can't get out. We need this affidavit so that our police can get back to work arresting the criminals. And somehow this is now turned around where people think that the affidavit is terrible and it's not. Uh, what we need to do is we need to enforce it more and make sure that people are telling the truth. Uh, no one has been, uh, no one has been mistreated. Nobody has been, uh, there has been no uh, vindictiveness because somebody makes a complaint about police officers. Um, but it's an effective tool to making sure that there's a checks and balances within the uh, investigation of police officers. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I want to get to the another elephant in the room uh, topic, and that is uh, about distrust in the uh, black and brown communities. And I know you do not agree with the conclusion from the Justice Department that there was a culture of racism within the uh, Chicago Police Department. But if there is distrust in uh, less affluent communities, doesn't that suggest that there are some problems, some attitude problems, maybe even cultural problems that need to be addressed? You know, I, I'm glad you, you, you actually brought that up. At the same time that we were losing police officers, when we, they realized they didn't have enough police officers to fill the cars, they took the officers who were on foot patrol who were our greatest asset in communicating with the public and communicating in the poorest neighborhoods, they took those away and, and moved them someplace else. We do need to have more communication in those communities. I think one of the things is if, you are, if you're walking down the street, you're much more likely to talk to an officer who's walking with you, uh, not, not driving past in a car. Yeah, you might want to flag him down if you've got a problem, but you're not going to have a conversation with them. Um, oftentimes the police department feels that they don't get a, a large enough bang for the buck when they have foot officers out there because they're not mobile enough. But this is exactly going to the point of your question. It is that communication, that one-on-one -on -one communication that builds the trust. Because if you see that officer every day walking down the street, you know, he's going to be there tomorrow. So if you ask him a question, if you, Tell him about somebody who's doing something wrong on the next block and he doesn't do it. He's going to be there tomorrow and you can ask him directly, why didn't you take care of that? But, and those are the officers who are open to that experience. Aren't there still some police officers who are less open to being in some of the, you know, the rougher neighborhoods and who might have a, an us and them attitude as they're walking through the street or maybe even fear that you're, you're expecting something's going to go wrong. Well, I, I, I walked, uh, I walked in uptown for a number of years. Uh, and, uh, some of, I met some of the most wonderful people in the world. Some of those people were street people. Some of those people were homeless. Um, and I will tell you this, that one of those homeless people, uh, came to my help when um, it, I, was, I was about to be attacked. Um, and so it's that kind of trust. And you have to build that trust. You have to get to know the people. You have to go along. I, I can't 
make people know. I can't make people like other people that I can't do. Uh, but certainly we can develop philosophies in which to have better communications. That's just one of them. And very quickly, is that also training? I mean, should there be more training in cultural uh, relations? You know, I mean, we have a very diverse police department. Uh, I would like to see more diversity within within the cars. You know, usually you pick your partner and you're with them for a while, but I've been fortunate to have uh, different partners, different races, different religions, different ethnicities, and they've all been great partners. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, I like to see them mixed up a little time, but you do get comfortable with the same partner. Well, thank you very much. That is Kevin Graham. He is president of the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 7. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, cbschicago.com. You can also find our podcasts on play.it. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 